trio of rookies made their first major league starts while three aces regained their form. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three cold brews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Thursday, July 30th. I'm Al Melkier. I am here with Michael Beller. And, uh, you know, they talk about good things happening in threes. We have a couple of uh, threes that are going to be fun to talk about. First of all, we've got the trio of uh, rookies, really still prospects, that um, two of them made their Major League debuts on Wednesday. And a third one, Andres Jimenez, made his first start. Uh, Nate Pearson and Christian Javier being the other two uh, making starts for the Blue Jays and Astros, respectively. All three of them fared pretty well. Uh, Pearson tossed uh, five scoreless innings against the Nationals. Javier went five and two-thirds, allowing just one run, a Corey Mm -hmm. Seager uh, solo homer. And Corey Seager's been hard to contain, so can't blame him for that. And then Jimenez, uh, as of this this recording, already has two hits against the Red Sox, uh, a triple and a single. So... Uh, what are your thoughts about these three and um, who, I mean, we've talked about Nate Pearson, but uh, do all three, I guess, deserve uh, some attention in fantasy? I think they do. I'll focus on the pitchers. Um, we talked about Nate Pearson, you and I, on the Tuesday version of this show. We were both excited about him, and he delivered on that excitement in that start against the Nationals. Um, if he's out there anywhere, I think you go get him. I think this is someone who is uh, set to have himself a banner rookie season here. And like we talked about on um, Tuesday, you know, even though uh, he had a great start, if he had a bad start, I don't think his rotation spot was going to be in any jeopardy. But, man, I mean – that stuff is so, so filthy, and I think it's only going to be a fun season for him. There are going to be some bumps in the road, of course, but, uh, man, I think you got to go get him wherever you can, and if he's out there sitting in a fab weekly league, I'm willing to go pretty big on him this Sunday. That's something DVR and I, I'm sure, we will talk about in our Sunday show on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. As for Javier, another guy who you can get really excited about and is more than just a consolation prize. If you do end up missing out on Nate Pearson, we're talking about a guy who is uh, just 23 years old, turned 23 back in March, coincidentally on what should have been opening day. March 26th is his birthday. You mentioned the stats that he put up tonight against a very good Dodgers lineup that was at full strength, not holding back whatsoever. And you go back to what he did last year, spent most of the season at the double A level, uh, 74 innings there, a K per nine, just shy of 14, a 2.07 ERA, a 2.91 FIP. I mean, this guy has all the makings of another front of the rotation starter in Houston. We know what sort of success they've had there also with Justin Verlander and Charlie Morton, uh, getting some of their older guys back on track. Well, now they've got a young guy who they can get right into the rotation. Another guy who I think sticks in the rotation too, especially with the Justin Verlander issues. So, man, I am really excited about both of these young pitchers. Yeah, as am I. And there's certainly still, as of this recording, room for people to pick up Nate Pearson in leagues. In fact, uh, our uh, colleague uh, over at Yahoo um, 
Fred Zinke tweeted out, I think just like a couple hours before Pearson's start, he's still available in 40% of Yahoo leagues. I don't know what that number is right now, maybe even lower by the time y'all are listening to this. Javier, uh, I think people got to you know catch up on him too. Uh, the, the Pearson buzz has been building, but I think Javier is deserving as well. And as for Andres Jimenez, I mean, I thought it was very exciting that he got to make a start. I'm, he's, he made a case, I think, maybe to play a little bit more. I'm not sure where the playing time is going to come for him. So that's, in my estimation, more of a wait-and-see situation. Uh, let's talk about three much more established stars, Max Scherzer, Lucas Giolito, Charlie Morton, uh, all three pitching really nice games on Wednesday after really turning in some disappointing outings in their season debuts. So... I think this is the sort of thing that we preach, Michael, that, you know, with established players, especially you don't want to do anything rash after a, a single mm-hmm. bad performance. We've seen this season after season on opening day, uh, but certainly feels a little bit better if you have any of these players on your roster to see that they looked more like their old selves. Yeah, I would have been nowhere near the panic button with any of them, certainly. But if I can say I'm most heartened by one, it's probably Charlie Morton. Uh, obviously, Scherzer is Scherzer. Lucas Giolito, still nice and young, and he got beat up by a really, really good Minnesota lineup in his first start. Charlie Morton, with the age, with the injury history, with the fact that he is on a team that is going to be very aggressive in the way it uses its pitchers and you know gets its relievers into games, piggybacks, uh, don't want to see him rack up too many bad starts in a row. So I feel a whole lot better about him after what he did on Wednesday night. I will say I'm a little bit more assured with, with Giolito just because I think there were some doubters coming into this year with him just having you know the one breakout season and, and people may be doubting that he can continue to pitch at that level. With Morton, uh, there was an issue with this velocity uh, in, in his season debut, and it only mm-hmm. really ticked up a little bit, not even a full uh, mile an hour in this uh, most recent start. So not that I'm benching Charlie Morton, but I think I'm going to be watching his next (laughs) starter too, just a little bit more closely. And we'll have more on him a little bit later. Uh, We have a few news items here. Steven Strasburg, still no uh, timetable specifically for him. He is making progress with that nerve issue. He is uh, expected to throw a side session either on Thursday or Friday. But in the meantime, he's not going to be ready to start for the Nationals on Thursday. That's going to go to Eric Fetty, as was expected. And uh, Juan Soto, as we did mention on the Wednesday show, he had those uh, two negative uh, COVID tests. So uh, he is hopefully going to be back uh, fairly soon. And according to Jessica Camarado of MLB.com, Soto may be back with the team for workouts as soon as the Saturday. So we'll obviously be tracking that one day by day. Uh, The Phillies, we now know that they're going to be back in action on Saturday. They'll have a doubleheader with the Blue Jays. Still no word if the Marlins will be able to return on Monday uh, because, of course, they're paused at least through this coming Sunday. Masahiro Tanaka is going to be able to return on Saturday. He's been on the injured list with a concussion, and he'll make the start against the Red Sox. And good news for a couple of Cincinnati Reds. Mike Moustakis and Nick Senzel return to the Reds lineup on Wednesday, and Moustakis hit a home run, so... We can feel pretty confident there uh, about his return. They both hit homers. I think they both hit homers. I think oh, okay. Well, I may, may have, uh, yeah, I, you may have checked the box score <laughs> more recently than I did. So uh, that's. Uh, that, let me just, let me say that Moustakis homer was like 460 feet. It was ridiculous. I was watching that game live when he hit it. So uh, no worse for wear for Mike Moustakis back in the Reds lineup. Apparently for either of them, which is great. <laughs> 
So good news there. Uh, with the Rangers, a little bit of a concerning situation here. Jose Leclerc was warming up in the eighth inning for a uh, potential ninth inning save opportunity. And then he got pulled back, didn't come into the game, and was later reported that he's dealing with some shoulder tightness. So that's another one that will be, uh, I'm sure, catching up on again in the next episode because that's all the information we have right now. Nick Goody did come in and get the save for the Rangers. Uh, and I think it was just a case of Goody was maybe the best reliever uh, that was available at that point. But is it time to maybe speculate on Jonathan Hernandez uh, in deeper leagues where you know he, he could be gone sooner than later from the waiver wire? I suppose so, but you know what I think about this, Al. Don't speculate on saves this year. It is not the right year to speculate on saves. Chase the arm talent, which you know he has as well, so uh, he could fit into both things here. But you are going for talent over saves every day, all day, no matter what. That's the way you want to chase things this year. Well, and that's a good counterpoint uh, to that as well. I- I'll be honest. Um, I've been, I've had trouble kind of settling in on it's just habits dying hard Michael that uh, of course hey that's understandable (laughs) yeah it's uh you know just an itch I still have to scratch (laughs) but uh yeah I think you know that it's still early in the season and uh there's no reason why we can't try to uh, change those those bad habits so at least this year I think it's it's a bad habit I would agree with you on that and some interesting and unexpected news with the Atlanta Braves Nick Markakis has decided to opt back in in one of my leagues, it's a score sheet league, and we've got our supplemental drafts going on this week. And I actually put Matt Adams pretty high up in the queue. Should I run in there and uh, go back into that queue and, and take <laughs> him out? Uh, is he going to have much shelf life with Mark Higgins coming in and, and maybe either DHing or, or forcing somebody else in the DH slot? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I think we have to assume that Markakis is going to step right into the role that he would have had for this Braves team when before he opted out, especially when you consider what their big weakness has been through the first you know five, six games of the season. They're striking out a ton, and that is something that Nick Markakis has never done in his career. So you know maybe he, he needs a, a couple of uh, sim games or something along those lines to get uh, the rust knocked off, but once that happens... I think we should just assume Markakis is in that lineup every single day for this Atlanta team. So, yeah, I think Matt Adams doesn't have a ton of shelf life. And on the other side, I think Markakis becomes an interesting guy to look at, you know, maybe not in shallower leagues, but certainly 15-teamers. I think this is uh, someone who we're going to be talking about in the fab discussion this weekend. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and just uh, to that point, in one of my 12-team Roto leagues, I actually did did pick Markakis up in that format. I admit it's probably one of my picks that I was – not uh, not the happiest about, but um, you know if he was even under consideration in in that kind of format, then yeah, fifteen teamers, it's really a, a no brainer, I think, to to get him into your uh, your fab queue right away <laughs> as soon as you as soon as you can. And uh, interesting situation again, not unexpected with the uh, Oakland Athletics. Uh, we had Frankie Montas make a start against the Rockies on uh, Wednesday, and Jesus Lazardo came in and piggybacked and threw three and two thirds innings. Did give up uh, three runs, but only one was earned. And meanwhile, getting five strikeouts. So kind of a mixed a mixed line there. And I imagine he'll probably need a little bit more time, maybe in that role. What's what's your expectation? Yeah, I think that's right, but he's still got the innings, right? And I think that he's someone who uh, should be uh, thought of the same way we were thinking of him 
coming into draft season, a really exciting guy, caught a couple of innings of his work live uh, on Wednesday night, and everything we liked about him was there, was evident. The swing and miss stuff is very obvious. He attacks hitters. Uh, he lives in the strike zone, so there's a lot to like about Jesus Luzardo, and I still got to believe, don't you, L? that eventually he's not in a piggybacking role and we're talking about him as a starter. Either way, whether he's piggybacking, whether he's eventually in the rotation, you're not going to see him out there in a one-inning role. No matter what, he's going to be in a three-plus innings role, and I think we eventually do see him in a rotation where they're hoping that he gives him six, seven innings. Yeah, and that, that could still be uh, later on in the season. And then uh, one foul news note here. Joe Kelly has been suspended for eight games. Uh, he threw behind Alex Bregman's head. And of course, you got the uh, you know the viral uh, incident of him uh, mm-hmm. basically jawing at Carlos Correa. I'm not going to repeat the uh, the <laughs> comment here. That's already been made famous on T-shirt. Yes. Uh, anyways, eight game suspension for Joe Kelly. So uh, let's get to some of the Wednesday standouts. And uh, you know, we already mentioned you know some of the biggest standouts in terms of Javier and, and Nate Pearson. Uh, they definitely deserve to be among this group, but uh, some others deserving as well. Zach Plesac. Eight scoreless innings against the White Sox, 11 strikeouts. And my first thought here was, is is there something wrong with the White Sox? Because uh, <laughs> they uh, they had very, um, a lot of strikeouts, put it this way. A lot of strikeouts against uh, Aaron Savali. Maybe not so many uh, against Adam Plutko. But, you know, the two of them pitched very well. Plesak with a dominating performance here. But it turns out that the White Sox aren't really that far from the middle of the pack in terms of strikeout rates. So maybe we just got to tip our hat to the Cleveland, uh, Cleveland starters. I think we do. Another one of these teams that always seems to find a way to get the most out of its starting pitching. And they just keep replenishing it, right? I mean... Carlos Carrasco uh, gets, you know, has to deal with leukemia and gets injured, and boom, they're able to find someone like Shane Bieber, and then uh, they trade Corey Kluber, and boom, they find Aaron Savali. They're just always able to do something in that rotation. So tip your cap to this team. I think that rotation is going to be a lot for teams to handle all season. Yeah, and if you're looking for an explanation for why we saw a more whiff-friendly Zach Plezak, um, he threw. 32 sliders out of 98 total pitches in this game, and 13 of those 32 resulted in swings and misses. So more sliders and a very difficult slider to hit. So hope to see more. That is a hell of a number, right there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Lance Lynn, another nice start from him. Six scoreless innings, eight Ks. And we're going to have a defensive standout, but a standout in a bad way. I mean, usually these standouts (laughs) we talk about are players that are, are performing well. We need to take notice. But Carson Kelly... He allowed uh, four more stolen bases against the Rangers on Wednesday, two for um, Nick Solak and uh, two more for uh, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. And so he allowed seven in that Padres series. And I, I'm pretty sure I made a note of this on one of the episodes where I said, let's let's see if it's that the Diamondbacks keep on giving up stolen bases or if the Padres just keep running wild. This certainly looks like maybe this is a Diamondbacks problem. Run, run, run. I mean, the book's out. And when a book like this is out, it is going to stay out. And it's hard to see what they do. How do they get better? I would be interested to see what the stolen bases are and who they're coming against and if the pitchers have anything to do with this. But, I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of steals. Once the book's out, unless Carson Kelly uh, loses playing time, uh, you're going to have a lot of stolen base opportunities whenever you play the Diamondbacks. So circle the calendar. When you got guys going up against yep. the Diamondbacks, if you need some steals, this is a good team to target. This is believable, absolutely, at this point. And by the way, his backup, Stephen Vogt, has a history of not throwing out 
uh, base stealers mm-hmm. at a very good, good rate. So that's a, that's a tough one there. And a couple of hitters, just to take note, uh, Jacoby Jones with a couple more extra base hits, uh, this time against the Royals. He already had two home runs coming into that game. And Todd Frazier with a big game, a home run and two doubles against the Diamondbacks. Uh, it's early, but Jones in particular really seems to be off to a hot start. Yeah, and a gettable guy too at this point. Uh, Todd Frazier, man, always overval, always overlooked, not overvalued, always overlooked. But the guy just can still hit and still provide you uh, some value at uh, some of the shallower positions that we have in this game. So interesting what we've seen from both those guys. And something else you like about both those guys, Al, playing time not in question for either of them. Correct. Yeah. So, and that was maybe a question, particularly for Frazier coming to this year. So yeah, he's, he's been playing and he's been hitting. Uh, so I mentioned earlier, we t- uh, bring up Charlie Morton again. He was featured in, you know, Saris's latest piece and man, is this a useful and of course, as always interesting one from, Eno using stack cast velocity and movement to look at early pitching performances. So don't uh, make any transactions until you read that one from Eno. Uh, that's going to wrap things up for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off of a subscription at theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. Everything that we do is included with your subscription. And if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we always do appreciate it if you take the time to do that. For Michael Beller, I'm Al Melker, and we'll be right back here on Friday. Mm-hmm.